0: Back to throw Fitzpatrick, throwing high into the air, Got it. Parker,
1: touchdown! What a win for this Miami Dolphin team, wow!
2: What is up Dolph fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we're going to hear from a whole heap of Dolphins coaches the coordinators and defensive assistants met with the media on Tuesday we'll get you the latest there plus we'll continue talking about the Rams as we prepare for Sunday's game at Hard Rock Stadium I'll talk about closers and their coffee too and yesterday we did the rookie report Well, today, we'll do the same for the Dolphins Free Agent Class of 2020. All of that and more on this Tuesday, October the 27th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's
3: another Miami Dolphins!
2: Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight visit the Auto Nation store near you or drivepink.com. We have a busy show coming up for you guys today. I want to go ahead and first start with Monday Night Football in the Los Angeles Rams. And just a few notes on these guys, as again, we're going to kind of preview this game throughout the course of the week before the big mega preview on Thursday's podcast. But you watch that offense operate. It's There's no real tricks or bells and whistles. They want to run that wide zone offense, get the ball on the edge like Kyle Shanahan and that 49ers offense does, get the running game on the edge and play the, the, uh, the bootleg play action game off that, off the other. Other side. And the way you really defeat that, and they talked about it in the broadcast on Monday night with the Chicago Bears, is set those strong edges, get knockback on the interior. So Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer and Raquan Davis and those big boys inside have to help control the interior of that Rams offensive line while on the outside. Ogbaugh and Lawson and Van Ginkle and Van Noy and all those guys help set that strong edge. And then from there, they want to run those crossing routes from that condensed formation, right? We talked about it on the Monday podcast. No team runs tighter formations, tighter splits, and you saw it on Monday night Both receivers aligned to either side inside the numbers. Nobody runs tighter formations than the Rams consistently, and they want to go ahead and run those crossing routes and try to outpace you from there. We saw Robert Woods get free on a couple of those, and the Dolphins will have to do well to help pass those off or run under those in man coverage, whether they're in man and zone. And you can basically combat that with different zone coverages or man coverage. You can drop into that cover three so that you have three deep players over the top. And when they run that crossing route, they go from one third to the next third and get picked up that way. You can run that six buzz look where you have a quarter, half quarter, where you have one player in the middle of the field taking the half part of the field and then two deep Players taking a quarter each to take up the four-fourths of the field there as well. Different options you can do to do that. And then as far as trying to combat that bootleg look, maybe you peel the backside defensive end off and put a body in Jared Goff's face because when he runs that peel back, he's not expecting pressure in his face. If you can just kind of collapse on that and give up the backside and put pressure right in the face of Jared Goff, that can really disrupt that. So it'll be fun to watch the way Flores versus McVay Part 2 goes. The last time they called plays against each other was... In the Super Bowl, a 13-3 victory for Flores and the Patriots in that game. Another thing you look at here is Johnny Hecker and Matt Hawk, right? The punting game. Johnny Hecker was awesome on Monday night, pinning a billion punts down inside the 10-yard line. He has a powerful leg and a good... Uh, a punt that really checks up inside the five yard line and bounces straight up into the air so those guys the special teams battle would be very very important and then defensively you have to get that guy blocked in the middle Aaron Donald he gets double teams pretty much every single snap so far and he still finds a way to win with that arm over that swim move that quickness and it's okay that he wins but you have to find a way to prevent those immediate wins where he completely destroys the play in under two seconds and gets into the backfield and is just there on the quarterback or the running back the mesh point whatever it might be they played a lot of two high looks last night in the game I noticed and a good way to combat that is throwing the ball to the middle of the field split those two high safeties and so with Vontae Parker and Preston Williams you like their options there on those in breaking routes maybe some RPO action as Daniel Jeremiah called Tua Tungavailoa the best RPO quarterback college football has ever seen maybe you incorporate some of that run the ball wide off the edge yourself help put Donald and those linebackers in a bit of a bind we'll go ahead and cover this game more in depth on Thursday but I wanted to drop those notes I took to on the game on Monday night. I wrote an article up on MiamiDolphins.com called The Winning Edge. And this piece really kind of illustrates sometimes the beauty of writing to me where you start off with one concept or one idea And it evolves into something else because on Monday we heard from Shaq Lawson and he talked about the impact of Emmanuel Ogba and how he's helped free up Shaq to make some plays and vice versa, the bookends. We're going to hear Coach Hobby talk about that here in just one second, but I started off with this quote where Shaq Lawson called Emmanuel Ogba a beast, a guy who works hard, a guy that gets the job done, a dominant force having him on the other side, helping opening things up for Shaq, a guy that's balling, a guy that's been incredible. It's been a pleasure to work with him, said Lawson of Ogba. And I started thinking about the emphasis on the edge position on defense this year for the Miami Dolphins. And again, coming up soon, we're going to talk about the free agent acquisitions this offseason and give you something of a progress report on those guys. And I started thinking about the emphasis on the edge position. And you go back to August, Coach Flores has said, yeah, we kind of remade this position And that was kind of a focal point throughout the course of the offseason was the length and the size, these two defensive ends who are much bigger than your 240-pound NASCAR speed rusher, so to speak, guys that can hold the edge, play the run, work inside, condense inside, operate all the games that Coach Flores and Coach Hobby and, and Coach Boyer love to call up front there. And I was thinking about the emphasis on the edge position and how the pass rush for this Dolphins team has really helped put games away. And... This kind of was sparked from another idea on Sunday that I watched so many NFL games across week seven where teams built these two, three, sometimes even four score leads And the opposition just closes that gap in a flash. The Titans overcame a 20-point deficit and had a chance to tie the game there on a 45-yard field goal at the end. It went wide, and they did not get the W, but they did essentially erase that 20-point deficit to the Steelers. The Cardinals down by 10 points to Seattle at halftime. Seattle had won 41 consecutive games with a double-digit halftime lead heading into that moment. Well, now that streak is at zero because the Cardinals erased that in a wash, and they went to overtime and competed with With the Seattle Seahawks earlier in the week on Thursday night, the Eagles down by 11 points with six minutes to play. They overcome that deficit. I saw a stat for the Falcons who have lost three games this year, where at one point or another they had achieved better than 98 point or 98 percent win probability. It's tough to close games out. It's tough to finish games in the NFL. And the point of this entire message is that I think it really illustrates how this Dolphins team plays for 60 minutes. Coach Flores talks about it. We saw earlier in the year, they were in some tough games with the Patriots, the Bills and the Seahawks, and they just couldn't quite close it out against three good football teams. But then when they had a chance to close it out with the lead and play from ahead, they showed you that 60 minute drive, that 60 minute focus and emphasis to finish the game that way. And you might say, well, Travis, they only outscored the opposition in the second half of those games by three points two times. And that's my entire point, because you go into a a halftime break with a 14-point lead in one instance, with a 21-point lead in another instance, 23 points in the San Francisco game What's that, what's, what is the focus of that game? or What does the lens of that game now look like? You have one team that wants to basically kill a half an hour of game clock. And you want, you have one team that has to kind of pick up the pace and pick up the tempo and try to score quickly to get more possessions out of the game and give themselves more opportunities to come back and win that game. But the Dolphins are having none of it. In these three games with 14, 21, and 23 point leads, the Dolphins won the second half in that element where, One team is trying to kill the clock, and one team is trying to hurry up the tempo and pace. So I think it really speaks well to this Dolphins team's ability to get pressure from multiple guys to come in waves, to show different different looks and different pressure packages on that defensive front. The relentless, aggressive approach. We saw the fake punt on fourth down to Clayton Fedulum in the San Francisco game. An aggressive mindset a 60-minute mindset, and I think it's awesome to see that with this team in those three victories. So that was the piece, the top news piece up on MiamiDolphins.com. Go ahead and check that out when you get a chance. We have today's top news piece coming up here shortly as well, taking a look at what the coaches said, and we're going to get to that here in just one second on the podcast. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and do another quick review because by week we have some more content time to cover here. No, all 22 from Sunday, as we didn't have a game, but we've gone over the Rams, we've gone over the winning edge, and the closing out of football games. I want to go ahead and just do a quick primer on the free agent signings this offseason, and start with Kyle Van Noy, who you guys all know how I felt about him when he signed here. I think this was a Perfect fit for this defensive system, a perfect guy to help communicate and implement Brian Flores and Josh Boyer's defense, a guy that's familiar with them both in terms of personnel on the football field or calls in the football field, but also how they communicate and how they want to run their program. He has 12 quarterback pressures. That's number two among off-ball linebackers on Pro Football Focus, not your Von Miller on-ball types, your off-ball linebackers. He's so gap-sound. He's an aggressive block-beater. He's assignment-based. He's a leader, a tone-setter. Part of that quiet, confident mentality we have here in Miami, I think Kyle Van Noy is a focal point of the system, of the program, and of that defense. Been a good signing so far. Byron Jones, just sensational. Absolutely terrific. From camp through what you see now, working between drills and practice, the way he was communicating and getting other guys to join him in between drills to get extra work during practice. The communication. You're going to hear Gerald Alexander talk about that here in just one second. The leadership. The production. Shutting down multiple different receivers throughout the course of his career that have had big-time careers. The long speed. It helps you with your coverages. It helps him kind of play one side of the field and play that trail technique underneath. How Smart he is and how capable he is of running multiple different looks. Press man, off man, zone looks. He really just does it all. You can't say enough about Byron Jones. Ted Karras up on the offensive line. Five pressures allowed in six games. He's been a a stonewall up there. Zero sacks allowed. He's got three different offensive linemen he's played with and they really haven't had communication gaffes or free rushers coming clean on Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback position. I think last week the Jets came clean almost like a delay slash like looper coming inside. And that was the first time I really recall a breakdown up front where they just didn't get a guy blocked. And they've been consistently solid. And both Steve Marshall and Chan Gilley credit Ted Karras for his communication and kind of the anchor in the middle of the offensive line. Eric Flowers, for my money, been the best player on the offensive line all season long. Brian Flores talked a couple of weeks ago about Flowers' energy, the way he chases down plays and goes down to pick up his running back or his receiver and congratulate them. Get the hands clapping. You see it all the time when you watch him on All-22. We've covered the bands and the harness that he brought to practice after training camp every day to get the young guys working extra. The production, playing pull side, hooking and sealing and blowing guys off the football, guys trying hump moves on him in the pass rush game, and going, no. He's exactly what you've been looking for at that left guard position for quite some time now. Emmanuel Ogba tied for seventh in the NFL in sacks. Top 10 in pressures per pass rush attempt for edge players. Miles Garrett has a pressure every 7.4 pass rush reps. He's at 7.8, just behind the guy who right now probably is the defensive player of the year. He rushes the edge, loops as a stunter, condenses inside as the three technique. He's long. He holds the point and the edge in the running game. And that's, again, going to be a key in this Rams game. He's been an absolute boon to this Dolphins defensive line and defense in general. Shaq Lawson, same deal here, same strength against the run on the other side, really helping hold up that edge and turn things back inside to your help. The past rush numbers haven't been at Ogba's level, but he talked about it yesterday, about how he's hopeful it opens things up for him. These guys really complement each other so well. They both play so gap sound they adhere to the rush lane integrity and help execute the system. It truly is an 11-guy type of defense, and I think both Lawson and Ogbo have been big parts of that. We're going to hear from Marion Hobby in just one second about how these bookend ends have to complement each other well. I think that's a good comment there from coach. We'll get to that in just one second. Elandon Roberts, his last two games were great. Playing super fast, aggressive. He's a tone setter type of player on that defense. A physical presence, a good communicator, a leader of the defense. He's been a good buy so far. Camu Grugier-Hill, the coverage, the blitzing. We saw the Minshew sack in the Jacksonville game, the closing speed that he has and how fast he plays. The toughness, the broken finger last game, playing through that. The special teams acumen, a four-phase type of player. He's been a plus there. Clayton Fedulum special teams. Missed a couple of games earlier, but comes right back and gets into this top-ranked Dolphins special teams unit, according to Football Outsiders and DVOA. He had the fake punt conversion. He's playing that personal protector role. There's been no blocked kicks. Our coverage teams have been stout, and he's made a couple of plays in that area as well. And the same is true of Kayvon Frazier, a guy that really just really plays hard, really gets it. He's big. He's physical. He can come on defense and play that kind of big nickel role for you as well. But he's been so stout in the special teams unit that just has five, seconds. Seven guys like a Mac Hollins, Kamu Grugier-Hill, Clayton Fedulum, Kayvon Frazier. If I'm leaving anybody out, I apologize. But so many guys that have meant so much to a special teams unit that's one of the tops in the NFL with a specialist and the coverage units as well. And then Jordan Howard It's not exactly an easy thing to punch the ball in down around the goal line. And Jordan Howard has scored three touchdowns this year for the Miami Dolphins. So plenty of contributions from each of the Dolphins free agent signings this offseason. Got to continue putting that good work together, continue going forward and getting improvement out of these guys. But so far through six games, you have to love what you've seen from the Dolphins in free agency this past offseason. So now I'll go ahead and turn this thing over to the Dolphins coaches and coordinators, offensive assistants, Chan Gailey, Josh Boyer, and Danny Crossman on this Tuesday, October the 27th edition of the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by AutoNation, where every vehicle sold and serviced is sanitized, keep driving safe at AutoNation.com. We're going to go ahead and play some sound here from Chan Gailey. We talked about the RPO game, the run-pass option game, the quote from Daniel Jeremiah, the best the college game has ever seen in Tua Tonga vailoa in the RPO game. So we start here with Chan Gailey with a question about the RPO game.
3: Well, he he did uh, a decent amount of that in college, and um, there's different types of RPOs. There's uh, pre-snap RPOs. There's post-snap RPOs. Um, and uh, we use, you know, some of both, but mostly pre-snap RPOs is what we uh, have done. And um, uh, he's uh, what I remember him doing in college was he, he was good at reading and seeing that. And uh, as time goes on, um, we we can adjust and maybe use a few more of those. Uh, to fit into what he has done in the
2: past. And Tua will, of course, be the only starting left-handed quarterback in the NFL on Sunday when he makes that start. Here, Coach was asked about the difference between going from a right-handed quarterback to a left-handed quarterback, and he had a good answer here that I I hadn't really thought about myself, but, of course, Chan, the football czar, tells you about how a defense wants to make a quarterback scramble a certain direction. The
3: the number one thing I would think about is if somebody's trying to make um, a right-handed quarterback scramble they would want him to scramble to the left they probably have to change that thought process to make a left-handed quarterback scramble to his right that would be uh, one of the first things i would think about and for us um, we practice things both left and right so um, it it doesn't change a lot for us Um, you know when if we've had a bootleg that's been to the right for uh, fits then it's been on Tua's wristband every week that he runs it to the left. So we practiced it all both ways, so nothing really changes for us.
2: And when you face the Los Angeles Rams, you're going to have to deal with that man, number 99 in the middle. How does Coach Gailey deal with a player with that dominant presence on the interior of the defensive line? Here's Coach.
3: Uh, Somebody made a statement. A lot of people want to know where a safety is or where a linebacker is. You, You want to know where he is. Is he lining up on the left or the right? Is he lining up on the tackle or on the guard? Uh, You know, you want to know where he is, and you want to scheme some things um, to help out whoever's got him. At the same time, you can't um, change everything you're doing. Uh, you got to depend on our good players playing well against him too. we got to depend on that a little bit.
2: From offense to special teams, up next we had Coach Danny Crossman here talking to the media, and I first asked him a question about Kayvon Frazier, and then he was later asked about Mac Hollins and what those two guys have meant to the special teams unit so far through the first six games.
4: Uh, done a really nice job. Was it was a good pickup for us? Uh, has good experience, has a lot of position flexibility, and has really been a good addition for us. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's really settling in on one of those four phase core players for us, and. Uh, You know, and those guys need to play well and we need to keep playing better and better as the season progresses.
2: So that was Frazier. Here he is on Mac Hollins. Yeah, doing a
4: good job really on on each of the phases. You know, another guy that plays on all four for us. I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, Mac's got a great personality that, you know, his uh, upbeat personality really transcends and really brings a lot of guys along. uh, When you look at him in the locker room, in the meeting room, out on the practice field has really got a great demeanor in his approach of how he works. And I think that has a, a lasting impact on a lot of the younger guys.
2: Let's go ahead and hear next from the third and final Dolphins coordinator, Josh Boyer on the defensive side. And we talked a little bit about the Rams in the open. And one of the things they do in in their is run tempo and, and get that quick huddle, that quick count. We saw it on the Sunday night football game. If you watched Cardinals and Seahawks, and if you didn't, what are you doing? Always watch the Seahawks in primetime football. But there was a shot where they showed Kyler Murray smiling and laughing about getting a quick count from, from, their quick cadence on DeAndre Hopkins and getting him open downfield. If you listen to the podcast last week, we played the audio when Tua talked about a play in college where he quick counted the LSU defense and caught Derek Stingley, one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country, kind of off guard with a quick count. Here is Josh Boyer on the Rams' ability to go quick, to go with cadence, to go with tempo. Here's Coach on the Rams' offense and the challenges prevented, or presented rather, by Sean McVeigh.
5: Well, I would say Coach McVeigh does a tremendous job using tempo. Um, and they use it in numerous different ways. Uh, it doesn't always show up at the, uh, you know, you don't know exactly when it's coming. Uh, you have to be ready for it on every snap. Um, they, they, you know, they got a good skill group, they got a good offensive line, and, and they, they mesh well together as a group and a unit. And, you know, and they're really, really good at changing it up on you and not just with the tempo of the pace that they're doing. It's the same thing. They change the cadence. Um, so, you know, they get a lot of guys on hard counts. Um, they, they do a very, very good job. They put a lot of pressure on the defense and uh, you know, we're going to have to do a great job this week of our communication uh, to make sure that the calls are in guys know what we're doing, getting lined up quickly and being ready to go and handling if the ball snapped quick or, if they come out, survey what we're in, change their call, and go. So, yeah, there's a lot of multiples this week. Uh, Coach McVay does a tremendous job with that, has for years, uh, and he puts a lot of pressure on the defense.
2: We are going to do a feature on Bobby McCain here this week, and I wanted to ask Coach Boyer kind of to follow up on Brian Flores' comments on Monday's presser about the way Bobby is willing and accepting of his assignment as a communicator, as a leader, as a guy that kind of Captains that defense and quarterbacks that defense. I followed up with Josh Boyer with the same question. Here's coach on Bobby McCain.
5: I would say Bob, Bobby, number one, is a great communicator. Um, and he has a unique ability to get along with all types of personalities. And, um, you know, which in turn helps him on the field handle, you know, uh, multiple communications with uh, different individuals. So uh, Bobby has been everything that you could want in a communicator. He really quarterbacks our defense. Um, so, um, you know, and, and he continues to work hard at that. So, and he's a really diligent worker and that's just part of his game and part of what, uh, you know, we've really benefited from Bobby being able to one, nurture those relationships and two be able to handle communications to numerous individuals.
2: And we move on now to the Dolphins' defensive assistance. And I teased this earlier in the show, talking about Marion Hobby's comments on Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson playing off either end, that bookend defensive end group. Here's Coach Hobby on the impact of those two guys, those two free agent signings off either edge for your Miami Dolphins.
0: Well, you know, we always say if you're any good as a defensive end or a defensive lineman, if you're getting double teamed, um, that's a credit. But you can't double team everybody. So uh, I think it's a situation, man, that, you know, most of the time if you talk in the world of bookends, those guys really have to play well together. You know, pressure from one side equals pressure from the other. You know, just over the history of football. you can number The number of bookends that play together uh, definitely complement each other as well.
2: And one of the guys that Shaq Lawson will see on Sunday is Andrew Whitworth, Rams left tackle. And we talk about Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, all these quarterbacks on either the wrong side of 40 or approaching age 40 that are still productive in the NFL at the quarterback position. That's mind-blowing. But what's more mind-blowing to me is Andrew Whitworth playing left tackle for what, 78 years now, and holding that thing down, still playing really good football at left tackle for the Rams. I didn't know this, but Coach actually has a history with uh, with Andrew Whitworth. Here's Coach on the Rams left tackle.
0: Well, I tell you what, he, he's been a great player his whole career. You know, even through his college days, uh, playing against him. I mean, he was at LSU, I was at Old Miss, so I've watched his career go through college into the pros, man, he, he's a pro. You know, he's a savvy vet. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know he, you can tell he game plans for each opponent. He has a plan. I tell you what, he he is one of the best players in this league, and has been in it for a long time.
2: Let's go ahead and finish up with Coach Hobby here with his comments about Dolphins rookie defensive tackle Benito Jones, who was elevated last week and made his NFL debut in the win over the Jets.
0: I tell you one thing he's about he is a you know you can tell he come from a good program uh, coming out of Ole Miss, and I think it was uh, Coach Roach and. Coach McIntyre and those guys on defense over there did a great job with him. Um, he understands the position, you know. Inside, you know, he's done multiple things coming out of that package. Um, you know, different alignments and stuff. You know, um, you know, you gotta like Benito. You know, his work habit, habits are really good. You know, he's um, he's a he's he's not very he's not tall. He don't like to say not very tall, but but I tell you what, he's got good good twitch. He's got good power, and he understands the position.
2: We move now to the Dolphins' second level of the defense and linebackers, Coach Anthony Campanelli, who is always a great interview. If you don't watch these press conferences on Dolphins YouTube or Dolphins.com, I highly recommend you do that and check out Coach Campanelli first because he always has a food take or something just something off the wall that you're going to laugh at. He's he's a fun-loving guy, fun to talk to. But I went ahead and asked him something a little bit more, I guess, in-depth about Jerome Baker's personality and character because Jerome had a tweet the other night about perseverance and I really wanted to ask coach Campanelli about how he sees Jerome and such a young man that has a positive mindset and kind of a, a broad world worldly view of leadership and perseverance and all these important traits to, you know, overcome adversity and and how football kind of reflects life. I've always thought sports were the ultimate reflection of life. So I wanted to ask coach Campanelli, someone who's around Jerome Baker every single day, what he sees in this guy. Here's coach on Jerome Baker.
1: Uh, No, the only thing I would say about Baker is he's a great person um really a great guy to be around um has a great energy uh, the, the players on our team love him i think he's a really good teammate um and he'll do anything that you ask of him uh not just as a player but as a, as a man as a person uh he's one of the people i enjoy being around every day to be honest with you i'm pretty fortunate that way my room is filled with guys like that um and that's really a great thing when you come to work and, and you feel like you're going to be around people who are going to make you better, uh, create a great energy and have a great spirit about them. So uh, just on every level, to be honest with you, uh, he, he really, uh, like I said, has a great way and, and um, is a really, really good teammate, great guy to coach.
2: And one of the guys I think that has been a little bit overlooked in recent weeks has been linebacker Sam McGuavin. He certainly offers a lot of things you like in this defense from a speed and coverage ability, brushing the passer. Here's Coach on what he's seen from McGuavin so far, who had a big increase in snap count the last couple of games.
1: Um, I think Sam, I I, I want to say I said this earlier uh, in the season when, when we were all speaking, uh, I think he's really got uh, – He's got a very multiple skill set. He can play off the ball, in the box, you know, physical in the run game, um, has some pass rush ability, um, excuse me, uh, does a a very good job in terms of coverage because he can run and he has some good change of direction. Um, But he's another guy that brings great energy. You know, I think when you watch him from afar just as a fan, um, that's one of the things that he radiates. He's really a guy that plays with great emotion great energy, has a lot of pride uh, in who he is, you know, um, where he's from. He's just, he's got a lot of great qualities and really another great dude, a great guy to be around every day. He will do anything that that uh, we ask of him. So love
2: coaching that guy. And another coach who operates with the linebackers is Coach Austin Clark. And I wanted to ask Coach this question because in recent weeks I've asked certain Pass rushers or defensive ends or linebackers, whoever it is that comes after the quarterback. It's this whole damn defense. I've asked those guys about some of the coaching in the room, and they all refer back to Coach Clark, who, if you recall in his college days at Illinois, really got a lot out of Awali Betaku Jr., a player who went undrafted this past April, who started his career at USC as a five-star recruit, transferred to Illinois with Coach Clark, and he turned him into a or helped turn him into a big-time production sack machine out there and he credited coach clark for his emphasis on technique on this is how you do it and why we do it and explain certain things about the pass rush game so i wanted to ask coach clark about his teaching process and how he gets the most out of guys is it uniform across multiple players does everybody get the same coaching point do you have different things you work on with different guys i asked coach clark about that here was his well thought out great answer i thought on tuesday
6: uh you know i definitely would say like there you obviously have some core principles uh, like anything else, you know, in terms of uh, your get-off, your stance, your alignment, all those basic things that get you going. But then, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's kind of like you have your toolbox, you know. you Everybody's got different tools, and you never know, uh, one, which one, uh, you know, you need to use in certain situations. And then there's going to be some guys that just don't have those tools, or they're better at something else, you know. I think if you take, like, Emmanuel Agba versus say like a Van Ginkle like they got two different kinds of tools and then you throw a Van Noy in there who's a savvy guy that's played so much ball that he's gone against a bunch of different guys different times so I think it's um, you know you got your core principles but then it is specific and uh, I think the guy's have done a great job so far this year.
2: Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with coach Gerald Alexander, who first answered my question about Bobby McCain and that ability to nurture relationships, the communication, his role on this defense, and how important he is to that defensive back room, not just on the stat on the box score and the stats, but otherwise as well.
4: I think Bobby has accepted the responsibility of what we want out of the free safety position and being a primary communicator. Um, what allows him to do so is obviously his understanding of the defense his understanding of not just his one eleventh, but everybody, and you know, getting guys, you know, getting guys where they need to be and in positions to make plays, and so um, he's done a great job at that. I mean, those are the things that aren't reflected on the stat sheet, but it's a very important piece for us to be able to operate defensively. So um, that's a huge emphasis that he takes pride in. Um, and he does a
2: really good job for us. And we'll go ahead and pick it up with a question for Coach here about Xavier Howard and how his ball hawking helps create opportunities for other players on the defense.
4: I think anybody, anybody on our defense or anybody that has uh, the knack for getting turnovers. I mean, that that's our job as a defense is to get the ball back for offense or possibly even score ourselves. So um, what he does, um, and not just from getting a turnover, um, you know, there's been various games where that guy hasn't had a ball caught on. him. And so. Just the fact that he's you know, back there and doing a great job, and, and when they do uh, try to test him, he's coming down with the ball, it, it makes us very opportunistic and obviously feeds our defense in, in order for other guys to be able to possibly get turnovers as well.
2: Let's go ahead and have Coach keep rolling along here, talking about Nick Needham playing the slot versus perimeter corner, the different leverage, the different help. Always a good insight answer here from Coach Alexander. Here he is talking about Nick Needham and the nickel cornerback position in your defense.
4: I think for that position, you know, the nickel position, again, it's different than playing the perimeter corner like Nick has experienced dating back to last season. Um, For him to continue to develop, you know, there are going to be multiple things we're going to ask him to do. We're going to ask him to play man coverage. We're going to ask him to play uh, zones. We're going to ask him to to, to pressure. And a lot of it really has to do with playing with great discipline because, you know, there's a lot of space uh, when you go inside, you know, and understanding where your leverage is. Um, especially in man coverage. You're a little bit closer to your health that's in the middle of the field that's present um, than you are when you're on the perimeter. And now when you have, you know, offenses like the Rams who kind of present a lot of pre-snap movement, that's going to test your eye discipline and making sure that your alignment and your eyes are in the correct place for you to be able to execute your assignment.
2: And we talked about this Rams offense already on this podcast, talking about the condensed nature of the offense. Coach was asked about defending a screen heavy game. I mean, we saw the Jets last Sunday. They run as much screens as anybody else, but talking about the Rams and in particular, just the screen game and how you defend a good screen game on defense.
4: I would say setting great edges and maximum effort to the football. Um, You can never assume that one guy's going to have the guy on the ground. Uh, They do have a lot of, really good players, skill guys who can catch and run, whether it be from the receiver position to the tight end position. Um, you know, they do a really good job, you know, in regards to that. But guys who are setting the edge have to set the edge, especially on the perimeter, so to not let the ball get down on the sideline. And then all the other individuals have to run relentlessly to the football. Even if you're the backside corner or if you're the furthest guy away, you have to run with the intention that everybody in front of you may miss the tackle. And you saw kind of a a great picture of that in the Seattle game not too long ago.
2: Last one here for Coach about Byron Jones and having both he and Xavier Howard in that back end and what it does for your defense. Coach says it's all about their experience that lends you the ability to make plays in that defensive backfield.
4: Byron is obviously an experienced player. You know, I'm I'm not sure really about the numbers, but I know when Byron's in there, um, obviously the, the the level of communication increases you know because of his experience and it really helps us all out as a secondary and so you know having him and having ex and having experienced guys um, at the perimeter position you know it allows us to you know you know eventually just play good defense you know guys are covering guys and they have the skills to be able to do so and and we're talking about different things that may present themselves um, offensively that we prepare for and we're communicating the things pre-snap getting everybody on the same page. You know, it's not just Bobby McCain. You know, It's also our corners as well. Um, it allows us for that snap to play good football.
2: All right. I think that is going to do it on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. It is Tuesday. Game day is now just five days away. Man, I can't wait. It feels like it's been forever since we last saw a football game. It was great to recharge the batteries over the weekend. Got to go home, see my wife, see my daughter, and man, nothing's better than that, guys. It was, it was something special this last week. And, and coming back to South Florida, feeling awfully refreshed. I will say Monday, I just feel like there's, I subscribe to the idea there's that yin and yang of life, right? Like if something is going to be this good, there has to be a sacrifice or something that bad on the other end. And I felt like Monday, the universe was telling me like, hey, man, you had a great weekend. But here's going to, we're going to go ahead and give you a bad day because my microphone took a crap. I had to replace my microphone at my home studio here. I told you guys I got rear-ended the other day uh, coming home from work in the middle of traffic at a red light. Someone ran in the back of my car as they were texting and driving and drove away. So uh, not a fun situation dealing with a hit and run, but I do have that handled. And then coming back from the airport using the trunk of my car, I popped the trunk and now it won't close again. So just one of those days where it's like, hey man, it's Monday, back to life, back to reality. So a little bit of a tough situation coming back, but we're happy to be here back on the podcast on Drive Time, and man, I can't wait for Sunday. It's coming up quick. We're going to have a fun week of content for you guys, and of course recap that game on Sunday from Hard Rock Stadium, but until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out MiamiDolphins.com for all my and John Jemmy and the rest of the website's written content and of course check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast until next time, fins up